Please stand as you are able for our call to worship. Sing praises to God, O faithful people. Shout of God's power and mercy. The Lord has heard our cries. The Lord has redeemed our souls. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. God's healing love is extended to us today. God's mercy is graciously given to us. Let us rejoice in all that God is doing for us. Let us open our hearts and spirits to God's will. Hallelujah. Amen. As we continue in worship. I see the almighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at God's command, and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord who filled the earth with food, who formed the creatures through the word and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed Where'er I turn my eye If I survey the ground I tread Or gaze upon the sky There's not a plant or flower below But makes thy glories known Clouds arise and tempests blow by order from thy throne. While all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care. And everywhere that we can be, thou God art present Springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and 
stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have need in thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and the peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. now be seated for our children's message. If there's any other kids, guys, come on down. If there's any other kids in the sanctuary, you're more than welcome to join us. Most of these kids have been upstairs in power hour. You can sit right here. You don't have to spread all the way out. I won't bite you, I promise. All right. You guys, look what I brought today. It's an apple. It is an apple, and it seems like a pretty ordinary, plain piece of fruit. I mean, maybe later. Uh, plain, ordinary piece of fruit that, girl, you got me off track. You know that? <laughs> You're good at that. <laughs> we might even have an apple to eat every day. There's an old saying that says, an apple a day. Good job. You all, some of you have heard that, but some of you had not. Now, there's nothing too extraordinary about a piece of fruit, but I just so happen to have big plans for this apple and some more. I'm going to turn this apple with some others into a pie. Who likes apple pie? Yeah, out there? Yes, with a good old scoop of ice cream? Mm-mm-mm. Well, I've got to peel it, and I've got to chop it, and I'll have to mix it with some other ingredients and transform this into a new delicious creation. Or, hmm, another thing I could do with the apple, I could cover it with caramel and roll it in some nuts. Ooh, candy apples, caramel apples, yes, no? Give me a yes or give me a no? Chocolate, I'm hearing chocolate, okay. <laughs> uh, I could also smash it down and make uh, applesauce. Who likes applesauce? Mashed potatoes? You can't mash potatoes out of an apple. <laughs> there are a lot of things that I could do with such a simple thing. I could also save the seeds and plant them and try to grow an apple tree. I'm going to choose the purpose for this apple. Did you know that God has chosen a special purpose for you as well? 
God has a plan for you. He has promised to bless you and to provide you with, a, with special and wonderful things. In the book of Ephesians, we are reminded of the grace and blessings that he gives us. He chose us and had a plan for us even before the world began. That's kind of crazy. God adopted us into his family. He calls us his children. Because of that, we are promised a special inheritance. Now, an inheritance, yeah, I see some of you going, what? An inheritance is something that your family gives you to take care of you once they pass away. God has given us an inheritance as his children. We are part of his will, and one day we will receive heaven. That's a pretty cool inheritance. For now, though, we are promised that God will make us part of his plan, and we recognize that God wants all people to know him and be in his family. Our purpose is to help make that happen. We might not know exactly how God is going to help us make that happen, but we do know he has a plan for us. Sometimes we might feel like our lives are not very important, you know, just kids. But you are going far, and that is truly unique, and thinking that you're unimportant is not true. God has chosen us. Everybody say, God has chosen me. God has chosen me. He has. He has brought us into his family, and he will use us if we let him. It might take some work, like this isn't going to go home and turn into an apple pie. It's going to take some work. I'm going to, have to as I said before, I'm going to have to peel it, chop it up. I'm going to have to add some other ingredients. I'm also going to have to make a crust. Whew. That's part of it too. But um, we aren't sure how God is going to work his will in our life, but we know if we follow his will that we will have meaning and purpose. God chooses us. He loves us and he promises to be with us. Whatever happens, whatever path your life takes, we recognize that God's hand is on us, and he will give us all that we need. He is our Father, and he cares for us and has remarkable things in store for us and for our purpose. Anything is possible when we remember who we are in Christ. Do you guys say this with me? God loves me, God is always with me, and God has a plan for me. I invite you to join me for God's Backyard, our worship for children. Would you please stand as we continue in worship together?
everything false will disappear. Silently now I wait for thee, ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my ears, illumine spirit divine. Open my mouth and let me bear gladly the warm truth children thus to share. Silently now I wait for thee, ready my God my will to see. Open my heart, illumine me, spirit Consider for a moment Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, Jewish exile stationed in the citadel of Susa, capital city of the Persian Empire, point of reference, modern Iran, cupbearer to the Persian king Artaxerxes. Although Nehemiah holds an important official position in the court of a powerful king, he's essentially the slave of a foreign ruler living far away from his home in Palestine. One day, news from home comes to the Persian court and Nehemiah's heart breaks when he hears that the Jewish remnant, those who survived the exile, are in distress. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. The city and its inhabitants lie exposed and defenseless, harassed by hostile neighbors. What happens next is so God. The Lord places in Nehemiah's heart what he is to do for Jerusalem. Do? So what does Nehemiah, de facto slave of a foreign king, do for these people who, as far as he is concerned, may well as be on another planet? He's not a military or a spiritual leader or even a prophet. He's a cupbearer to a fierce king with the power of life or death over his subjects. What Nehemiah does is he trusts, he prays, he listens, and he acts. At his own request, Nehemiah is sent with the blessing of the great Artaxerxes to Jerusalem as its newly appointed governor, with the task to repair its walls and repopulate the city. So far, so good. But no sooner does he get there that he's mocked and accused of rebellion against the said Persian king. And that's just the beginning. Various enemies try a variety of tactics to stop him. They bully, they threaten attack, they slander, shame, and even try to lure the governor into compromising his faith. Each time enemies threaten, Nehemiah prays, listens, and acts. Trusting God, confident of the plan and purpose that the Lord has placed in his heart. He trusts. The gracious hand of my God was on me. He prays. Now, my God, strengthen my hands. He listens and he acts. 
organizing, delegating, administrating, rising up to every challenge, pausing when needed to regroup and replenish, in tune with the rhythm of his God's heart, managing to build a wall that had lain in ruins for 70 years in 52 days. Whether we are called to rebuild, create something new out of the rubble, stand our ground, reach out a helping hand, share our faith, whatever it may be that God places on our hearts, Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, teaches us the power of God's life-giving rhythm, a divinely given rhythm of trusting prayer, listening, waiting, and acting. A rhythm in tune with the heartbeat of God, a rhythm that empowers and strengthens, a rhythm that sustains for the long haul, allowing us to complete any task given to us by our Father. So like Nehemiah, let us go to our God in prayer and seek his heart. Almighty Father, you have made us a little lower than the angels and crowned us with glory and honor. You have made us rulers over the works of your hands. You have put everything under our feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. You are mindful of us and care for us. We lie down and sleep. We wake again because you sustain us. In you is everything we need to flourish, and you have graciously invited us into a creative rhythm of purposeful work and renewing rest. We praise you for your great and enduring love. Lord, forgive us for forgetting this, for thinking that our well-planned schedules are enough to save us, for seeking sustenance, meaning, and purpose from other sources at the expense of seeking you and your plans and purposes. Forgive us for those times when we have not been disciplined in prayer in listening, and in waiting patiently for your guidance. Lord, forgive us when we choose not to trust you and instead choose the way of our instant delivery world, filling our calendars and ourselves with things that only serve to make us even more restless, drained, and unsatisfied. Thank you, O oh God, for continually drawing us back to your heart back to your ways, your plans, your purposes, your true and good and perfect rhythm. Now we still our hearts and rest in you, eager to hear your voice. Standing before your throne in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we have access to your grace, we ask. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you teach... Would you teach us to be still and know that you are God? Teach us to sit quietly at your feet, to listen and to be attentive to all that you say and do and ask. Lord, you are all we need and want. We seek your heart this morning. You have a creative life-giving purpose for each one of us, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our places of work and school, in the church, and in the world. Open our ears that we may hear and understand, so that we may act in ways that bring glory to your name. 
Lord, you are not in the wind, the earthquake, or the fire. You are in the gentle whisper, in the stillness that the great prophet Elijah heard. Teach us to be attentive to that stillness, so that in that stillness we might hear the beat of your heart, so that we may work to the life-giving rhythm of your ways, which are good and true and perfect. Spirit, give us the courage and the strength to act on what you say and ask of us. Empower us to trust in your ways and to surrender to them. Open our ears so that we may hear your gentle whisper and walk accordingly. Strengthen our hands so that we may build, create, nurture, help, share, sustain, and renew. Increase our faith. Make us a people of understanding. Make us yours. A people who trust, whose hope is in you. Father, Son, and Spirit, as your people who carry your purposes in our hearts, we pray that our work would meet the greatest needs that surround us. May we be your hands and feet and healing voice to the suffering, the lost, and the addicted, the hungry, the thirsty, and the naked, the lonely, the frightened, and the grieving. Your plan is wonderful. Your wisdom is magnificent. May the rhythm of all that we say and all that we do beat in accord with the rhythm of your heart. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Before we pray for our offering, I just want to take a minute to say thank you. Your giving makes a tremendous difference. It matters and changes lives here in our congregation. It changes lives throughout our Lexington community. It changes lives around the country and around the world. And all of our ministries are focused on helping people know the hope and healing and wholeness that Christ offers, both in word and in practical helps. And so because of you, we're able to do those things. And I just want to take a minute to thank you for that. When you give, you can give online. You can put your offering in the boxes at the back of the church. You can use the kiosks throughout the church, or you can mail checks to the church as well. Thank you. Let's pray. Holy God, we love you. We thank you, God, for this day that you've made. We thank you that you've called us to be your people and that you've called together this beautiful community. And thank you, God, in this moment for the humbling privilege of walking with you and returning a portion of what you've given us. You've made us your stewards, and we are grateful that we can walk with you in helping people know who you are. And we give with glad and thankful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Before I share the announcements, we feel like it's important to take a moment to acknowledge the horrible news and information we're hearing from Memphis and to take a moment to pray for that. So please pray with me. Holy God, our hearts are heavy this day. It's hard to watch and see what we're seeing. It's hard to understand how things like this could happen. But God, we pray for the people of Memphis. We stand against the unjust use of force. And God, we pray for the injustices that happen every day. God, we pray for a family that has lost a much-loved son. And we pray for your peace. We know the answer is in you. We know the answer is in people knowing the truth and the healing grace and the love that you offer and the peace that comes through you. So God, we do lift this up. We pray with humble and heavy hearts. And we thank you for who you are. And we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome this morning. We're so glad that you're here. If you're our guest, you have our special welcome. If you're worshiping online, we're glad that you're a part of our community as well. If you're here, we have a, a, a Connect card. If you're a guest, we would love for you to take a moment to fill that out so that we can get to know you and answer any questions you have about the church and help you find ways that you can connect here. This is a great place. We're all about the hope and healing and wholeness that Jesus offers. And we're all on this journey of passionately following him together. Um, a couple of another announcements, we have uh, a couple of classes coming up on Wednesday evenings, and it's not too late to sign up for that. One of those is offered by Keith Reinke. It's a study called Resilient, and it begins this week. It's on Wednesdays at 6 o'clock. You can also participate by Zoom in that class if that uh, makes it more doable for you to join in. Our first Peter study has had a shift in dates. We're going to begin that on February 15th, so there's still plenty of time to get signed up for that. That's going to be a great study as well. You can sign up for any of those uh, by going to the website or by uh, clicking the links that are in the info line announcements that come out on Fridays. And this is a kind of bittersweet announcement. Many of you have known and loved Nita Faulkner. Um, the celebration is that she has gone on to her reward. The bitter part of it is that she has passed. She passed away yesterday. She's a long-term member of our congregation. She was 98 years old, um, and she... Um, she was ready to meet God face-to-face, uh, -face, and she's there now. And so we celebrate that even though our hearts are heavy in losing her. Uh, we will have a celebration of life for her here service. We'll be here at the church in early February. We'll share more information about that as soon as the arrangements are set. This is the fifth Sunday of a month, and many of you know what that means. When we have a fifth Sunday, we take a special offering for the Methodist Children's Home, and that is in a very important ministry that really saves the lives of children and youth who are in very difficult circumstances. And we receive a special offering on our fifth Sundays that goes to support those ministries. If you do that, you can make a note in your memo line that it's for the Children's Home, or you can let me know by email if you make that contribution electronically. Thank you for your care for that ministry, because there's some folks there that do great work, um, and your contribution makes that possible. And now we have a video. Have you ever been there? You say things like, I'm done. 
It's time for something else. Sure you have. Everyone gets there. Burnout is the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual exhaustion of a person by way of prolonged and excessive stress. So, what do we do? Thankfully, God offers us a model from the prophet Elijah who experienced the symptoms of burnout which left him underneath the burn tree. Join us this new year as we journey together in the best new year's resolution of all, to be healthy and spiritually vitalized again. Hey everybody. How are you? Good, good. Glad you're here. Martin and Donna, I think these flowers are for Carson. Is that correct? Do I have the right day? We want you to know that uh, our prayers continue to be with you as we uh, celebrate the one-year anniversary of Carson's passing. I know uh, I miss hearing her cheers in the sanctuary. Uh, they were a blessing to me, and I know they were to all of us. We are in the midst of a teaching series uh, called Burned Out. And we thought maybe the right way to start this new year is help you be vitalized once again. And so we've described burnout along the way a number of times. We've called it the physical, mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual exhaustion that comes by way of prolonged and excessive stress. So if you find yourself escaping to food or alcohol or online binging, if you say things like, I am so done. If you think I have decision fatigue and do not want to make another decision in your life, if you stay in bed for hours on end, you might be in a place of burnout or at least somewhere along the way because burnout, it's a cycle. It starts with stress and we've all got stress. It's just different. could be about your health, could be about your finances, your job, dealing with family issues. I mean, we've all got stress. It's just different for each of us. And unmanaged stress leads to a lack of balance in life. You work too much, you don't play enough. You are at it too much, you don't rest enough. And eventually this will lead towards cynicism or sarcasm. And as we have offered the caveat all along, more than normal cynicism or sarcasm for some of you. Now, if that goes unchecked, eventually it leads you towards withdrawal and isolation, and if that goes unchecked, eventually you'll find yourself completely exhausted, burned out, and saying, I am done. And the story of Elijah offers us a great point of reference for dealing with issues of burnout. We said there's a way to move beyond it. It starts with the first step, which is always the hardest. You've got to realize it. Elijah realized, look, this is not healthy, and the same thing can be true for us. Taking stock of your life at the beginning of a new year is a good and healthy thing for us to do. And what Elijah realized was, man, he needed to rest. In fact, he laid down underneath that broom tree. He said, God, I'm no better than my father's. Take my life. It's done. And the most profound thing happened. He took a long nap. And then he ate holy hotcakes, which is even better. Sounds pretty good on a day like this. And after he rested, we learned last week, he recharged. We all need to recharge our batteries. We're kind of like a double A, and we only go so far. And without connecting with God and, and connecting uh, in prayer, connecting in scripture reading and all of these kinds of things, without that recharging, well, we end up lifeless and dead. And so that takes us to the last step of the process, and that's recognizing God's not finished with us yet. And that's the grace, that God's not ever finished with us. 
In fact, you look at these uh, parting words that we read last week. Elijah wasn't finished yet. God's grace said, hey, you've still got work to do. I'm not through with you yet. I want you to go and anoint a king over Syria. Go and anoint a king over Israel and anoint Elisha to be your successor because I still have a plan that's in place. Elijah, you are still part of it. And so after you realize, after you rest, after you recharge, we come to the last step in the process, and that's to realize your renewed purpose in life. You'll stop chasing idols. You'll stop chasing busyness or perfection or success or stuff you can put on your balance sheet or the almighty dollar, and you'll start chasing the almighty God. Life, instead of a collection of shoulds and have-tos, becomes one big get-to. I was reminded of this a few years ago. Sarah Margaret uh, was about nine at the time, my daughter, and she, at 8.45 at night, had a knack for asking the most profound questions of life. And she said, Daddy, I said, yeah, honey, why did God make me? And I said, oh, you want to talk about this tomorrow? No. Okay. Well, do you want to make it a date and we'll talk about it tomorrow? Nope. Okay, well, let's talk about it. So after a really long day and a really busy season, we began to process all the key questions. You know, what do you feel you're gifted at? What do you love to do? What could you spend all day doing? And what would make Jesus smile? And so we talked about this for a while maybe about 25 minutes or so, and I tucked her into bed, and I thought, wow, where did that come from? And I went downstairs and sat on the couch and uh, was watching television with Mandy, and this uh, television commercial came on. I want to show it to you right now. This is the home, this is the home you're going to like it. In this television commercial completely wrecked me. You know, I'm sitting next to Mandy on the couch, just sobbing, and I've got a green mess going everywhere, and she goes, are you okay? Stinking traveler's insurance. I think it captures, and it did in that moment anyway for me, the essence of what it's all about, right? Life is so short, it's so fragile. And we get consumed with our own stress and our own busyness and our agendas and all of the stuff that we think that we have to do that comes before the thing that's staring right in the face, in our face at us. What's most important, what our purpose really is in life. 
And because we're consumed with everything else, we can miss the moment. I mean, that was Elijah, right? There was still a battle to fight. He might have been done, but God wasn't. And so he rested and he recharged and he was ready to realize his renewed purpose. And so it is for us. In the midst of all of the burnout cycle, we miss what's in front of our face sometimes, don't we? We miss what's really important. We miss fulfilling or realizing our purpose in life. And so let's re- I'll read for you the end of the Elijah story. Here we go. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick your own blood. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, Shall dogs lick your own blood? Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut you off from Ahab, every male, bond, or free in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Bashah, the son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you have provoked me, and because you have made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel the Lord also said, The dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat, and anyone of his who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. A little light reading for the people of God today. My gosh. Brent came uh, and we were talking the other day and he said, hey, uh, we need to put an anthem together for that whole dogs of Israel thing. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What do we do with that? What is the deal? Well, it's really, really simple. King Ahab has just killed a poor man to take away his land so he can have a veggie garden. I mean, that's the backdrop to the story. And God has this amazing, amazing word to Elijah. One word. Here it is. Say it with me. Arise. Oh, my gosh. In James Brown theology, it's get on up. You know? And think about this for just a minute here. You, you have a guy who was laying in the dust of the earth underneath a broom tree saying, I'm done, I'm dead, it's over, I can't take anymore, that's it, take my life, I'm no better than my father's. And now God says to him, get up! I'm not done with you yet. You think it's finished, but it's not over. Because I've got a purpose for you. And it's time for you to realize it and be renewed in that purpose, Elijah. It's not finished for you. And so Elijah goes to confront the king, the same king and his queen who wanted him dead not long ago. And the essence of the story is this. You took away this poor man's vineyard for your vegetable garden. In fact, here's the exchange that happens. Ahab says to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden. You thought I was teasing, didn't you? 
Since it is close to my palace in exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So Ahab went home, it should say, sullen and angry. You know, we say today, like, who cares? Sell the plot of land. Make a profit. Buy another piece. It doesn't, it's a piece of land. What, what do you care? But I want you to recognize this piece of land likely came from the time of Joshua and the conquest. It was given to a people. And it was to be their, their inheritance. Their land was their livelihood. And it was their legacy. And to sell it to a king who just wants to make a vegetable garden. You don't sell out the truth ever. Or your family. And so Naboth says, Forgive it, forbid it that I should do such a thing. And Ahab, I mean, you read it. So Ahab went home sullen and angry. He pouted. And he told his wife, this guy won't let me have the veggie garden. And Jezebel says, well, just kill him. You're the king. And that's exactly what happens. So he takes Naboth's life for a veggie garden simply because it was adjacent to, to his palace. And Elijah's purpose is to go and confront the king. And notice what happens. Have you found me? Have you, have you come to overtake me? And Elijah just very straightforwardly says, I found you because you have sold yourself to do what's evil in the sight of the Lord. And behold, it's the Lord who's going to bring disaster upon you. Elijah's purpose was just simply there to speak the truth. Hey, this is, this is God's process. This is God's outcome. This is up to him. I'm just here to tell you the truth. Here's the way that it is, and here's the deal, Ahab. We're talking stray dogs, lots of blood, and not good for you. And sure enough, this is exactly what comes to pass. Now, Ahab, the scriptures tell us, wore sackcloth and ashes. We're not really sure whether he repented or not. That's between him and God, and Elijah didn't need to be worried about that either. He was just there to tell him the truth. And in the end, everything comes to pass. Ahab dies in a battle. Uh, Jezebel is murdered. I mean, it sounds like this horrific days of our lives soap opera. And in the end, of course, there's stray dogs and lots of blood and not, not good. But, you know, I, I think there's a powerful lesson in this horrific exchange, and it's this. The outcome wasn't up to Elijah, just the process. Are you with me? The outcome was not up to Elijah but the process was, and how often do we miss that? Because as American people, we love good outcomes. Anybody here like losing? No. I mean, Grandpa used to say, show me somebody who likes to lose, I'll show you a loser. There you go. I mean, nobody likes losing. And not in business or life or teaching kids or losing a patient or, or whatever it is. Nobody likes losing. We're not wired for that. I mean, we want to win. So we're very outcome-driven as people. And yet this is really the antithesis of faith. Faith is all about the process, about trusting God in the midst of the trial and the testing and the temptation. That's what leads to transformation, right? We talked about that last week. 
And yet we get so consumed with the outcome. Elijah was consumed with the outcome. I've got to beat this evil king and queen. I've already taken down the prophets. And he's next. See, there's a difference between zealousness and faithfulness. Zealousness is consumed with the outcome. It's got to be my way on my time and my strength and my power and my will. And man, that's hard. Are you with me? Because, I mean, we're the original, original Burger King crew. We want it our way. And yet faithfulness is about God's way and God's timing and God's strength and God's purposes and God's outcome. And that's so hard. I mean, this is why Jesus doesn't say, come and be saved. He says, come follow me. Church, we've kind of changed the message somewhere along the way sometimes. Because we get consumed with the outcome. The outcome is salvation and eternal life and all those amazing things. But Jesus says the process is what's the biggest part. That's why you come follow me, walk after me, learn to do what I do, become like I am. To be a Christian is to become a little Christ, right? That's what it means. Because the process is what matters. And if you take care of the process and you partner with God in the process, well, God will take care of the outcome. Man, that's hard. And that's the thing that I learned in that season. A season in which I don't think I was at burnout, but man, I was headed toward withdrawal and I was definitely cynical. It was too much about my own zealousness. And we miss what's right in front of our face. And that was the same for King Ahab. He wanted a vegetable garden, so he killed somebody for it. You're like, I haven't killed anybody. Nope. But how often does your latest text message or email come at the expense of your kids? Or that show you have to watch come at the expense of conversation with your spouse. Or that thing that you have to do come at the expense of people who care about you and you care about them. We get so consumed with outcomes, we miss what's right there in front of our face. And it comes at 845 in this sweet little package that says, Daddy... Faith is about joining God in the process. And what you find out of it is less stress and less imbalance and less cynicism and less withdrawal and less isolation and less burnout. What you gain is more joy and more balance and more grace and more connection and more community and more vitality in your life when you walk with God and leave the outcomes up to him. We're all zealous in some way about something. The question is, are we faithful? And that's the humbling lesson of burnout. That on the other side of burnout comes renewed vitality, a renewed sense of purpose in your life. I think Paul knew this better than anybody else. 
I mean, here's a guy in Philippians chapter 3 says, you know, I, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. They're like blaring the trumpets. I was the guy. I was righteous as to the law faultless. I mean, he gives all the spiritual resume and all of the sweet little Jewish grandmas in the first century are going, see me like that, Paul. He's the guy. And when we read the outcome of one of the, the chapters where it says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, immediately as American people who love to win, we look at that and go, yes, that's outcome driven. Let's tattoo it on our arm and make sure we pray it before the big game. And we've completely misread it. This verse hangs above my door as a reminder. But it's not about the outcome, it's about the process. Because Paul, when he wrote this, he had given up the outcomes of his life. He was sitting in chains in a prison. He'd given his life over to following Jesus Christ no matter what came his way, no matter what mayhem or problem or, or, or being beaten or stoned or imprisoned or whatever it was. He just wanted Jesus. That was it. You see, the stuff of this Nike faith we live in, it ain't about that. It's about trusting God in the process and saying like Paul did and like Elijah did, I can trust Jesus with the outcome of my life because he's invited me to join him in the process. And if you figure that out, friends, here's the deal. If you figure out you can trust him with the outcome of your life and be faithful to him every day in the process, then just do that. Let's pray. Jesus, man, this burnout thing is hard. Because we all want what we want. We all want the outcomes that we want. Sometimes we get to be like Elijah. We're so zealous about what it is that we think we need to do or have to do or should do. We miss all the get-tos that are staring at us right in front of our face. And so, Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters today, whether they feel burned out or vitalized, that you'll, they'll hear your voice, that you'll tr they'll trust your purposes and plans for their lives that they'll partner with you in the process and trust you for the outcome. Jesus, we thank you that you were the ultimate pattern of how to do this. The perfect trust and reliance you had upon the Father to go to a cross, to die upon it and rise from the dead, that we might live our lives in you and know the outcome of forgiveness and eternal life. Jesus, we pray that you would not only be Lord and Savior, but you would be leader of our lives. Today we join you. And we give you the thanks and praise for it. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You know this altar is always open for you. Let's stand and sing together.
sky. I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I will make the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright, who will bear my light to them, whom shall I serve? trip over the altar rail today. You good plan? All right. Well, we're so glad uh, we have uh, Mark Anderson, Matt Williams, and Julie Kane this morning who are going to be joining us. And so we are so glad that you're here and part of this community. Uh, the question we ask of all those who are joining is, uh, will you be faithful to St. Luke Church and uphold it with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Well, that is what makes you a member. Let's uh, greet our friends. 
these fine people, at least some of them, but you're going to want to get to know me even better, so make sure you come on down and say hi. And uh, here, I want to give you a quick update. I know we've been providing updates along the way uh, as to what's happening here at St. Luke. I want to let you know that we did receive a time for our disaffiliation vote for the members to decide. It is at 6.30 p.m. on February the 12th. Having said that, I recognize fully well it is Super Bowl Sunday. And I want to say um, two things about that. Sunday was an important day for the St. Luke community to be able to vote. And the reason for that is our Swahili community, that is the day that is easiest for them to vote. And considering their work schedules, uh, I think we need to be inclusive of them uh, since they are part of this church. Uh, I want to also say thank you to our district superintendent uh, because he went to great lengths uh, to make that happen for us. Uh, he has four meetings that day, so let's uh, make sure we, we show some grace uh, to them. Uh, they picked the time, but again, I, I very much want to say a thanks to him and being so kind to us in the midst of the process. We will have more information out for you this week, but I did need to disclose that to you today. Again, get to know some great people. And uh, I hope you guys have a great week. We'll start a new teaching series next Sunday. We'll see you soon. Welcome. Um, do we have to stay? Well